Hello, everybody, and welcome to Empower with M. I am your host, Emily Jane Saroff, but you can call me M. I hope you're ready to expand your mindset, raise your vibrations, break through limiting beliefs, and to seriously start owning your power. But before we dive into today's episode, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on any of my episodes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I sure am ready. So let's get empowered. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am very excited because I have an incredible guest joining me today. So I have Crystal Navidi, who is a mother, a business owner, a lawyer, lover of the moon, manifestation, and daily meditation. So I'm so pumped to have her on the podcast because I'm a lover of all of these things as well. So welcome, Crystal. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm really excited to have a chat to you. So am I, because I am just so eager to learn all about your story and all the incredible things that you are doing in this world. But before we dive into the depth of the episode, why don't you start off and just introduce yourself to our listeners? So my name is Crystal Navidi. I am the owner of a law firm called Coastal Lawyers on the sunny central coast of New South Wales. I'm also a mum to three little boys under the age of six. And yeah, I'm juggling all of the things. Now, you have a very interesting backstory. I do. And I would love it if you could dive in and just share a little bit about your journey with us, because I know your journey to becoming a lawyer was not an easy one. And I'm very eager to hear the full story. Thanks. Yeah, so I guess I didn't have your typical linear path to becoming a lawyer. I'm a proud Howzo kid. So I grew up in public housing, not far from the Long Bay Jail. So I had quite an interesting childhood and I guess it was a difficult childhood looking back objectively. None of my family members finished high school, let alone went to university. So going to uni wasn't necessarily one of the first things I thought of growing up. But as I started to go through high school and did legal studies, I really found this passion for the law and I just found it a really fascinating area. And so when I left school, I thought, oh, well, I probably can't be a lawyer because I can't afford to go to uni and not work. So I did the next best thing and um, got a job in a law firm. And it was only through that, I guess, you know, I always think there's no accidents in life, but a conversation with my boss and he said, you know, you can study law doing this particular course, an LPAB course. And it meant I could do the course and study and work. And so I thought, oh, wow, this is just meant to be. And so I just plodded along doing, you know, each subject as I could and working full time. And then eventually, I guess after probably five or six years, which is longer than it would take most people, yeah, I was able to graduate with my diploma in law, become a qualified solicitor. And I've been a lawyer now for about 10 years. So, yeah. That is so incredible. I love that. You know, obviously there's been so many struggles and challenges across your journey, but you haven't necessarily allowed them to stop you from doing what it is you want to do. And I also love how well that job opportunity aligned for you. That is what I call universal alignment. Amazing. Where, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something so, that's when I always think somebody's guiding you or you may not think that there's a plan or, you know, you think, oh, nothing's going right. But actually looking back, you realize it's all part of, I guess, the bigger plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. It's all working out for you, right? Like behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to, I guess, trust that it is going to work out and really have faith in yourself. When I was 21, I did what 21-year-olds do and got a tattoo on my foot and it says faith. And, you know, a lot of people will take the piss <laughs> when they see it. You know, I've had lots of jokes about it. But to me at that time, 
it meant to really have faith in myself and trust that, you know, I was going to be able to do it because I didn't have that external support necessarily. And so, yeah, even now it's really powerful to me that I just had faith in the process and that it would all work out. So I guess it comes down to that positive mindset and we can really choose how we approach situations. Yeah, we've all got our perspective, I guess. And that's one thing is thoughts aren't facts. So we can really, it's quite powerful when we take control of our thoughts and what we're thinking and get off that little hamster wheel of um, repetitive negative thoughts. I love that you've brought mindset into this because there's so many areas of that that I want to dive into with you today, you know, because you've talked about self-belief and like, you know, inner criticism, different circumstances you've had to go through. And as you just mentioned, the lack of external support as well. So where I want to start is this topic of circumstances, because from listening to your story, like it really sounds like you've not let your circumstances or environment for that matter, limit your ability to succeed. You know, you are able to overcome these hurdles. So how did you develop the right mindset and really, I guess, step out of that victim mindset and into a growth mindset that would allow you to overcome the circumstances to then achieve the things you want to achieve? I think I was really lucky to have glimmers of positive role models in my life. So I had a lot of a really close friendship circle and I guess their parents really influenced me because I saw that there was another way. And I saw that even though my family maybe did things differently or, you know, wasn't what I necessarily had as the ideal family, that there was sort of something outside of what I was experiencing. And so then I sort of just took hold of that and then tried to think, okay, well, how could I become more like that? Or what could I do to change my circumstances? My mum was also a teenage mum. So One of the things I guess I learned from her is that I didn't want to have children younger because I knew that for me, I guess it had made my mum's struggles more difficult. So I had made that conscious decision that, you know, I was going to have children later in life if that was part of my journey. And thankfully it was. And so I guess just really believing that even the setbacks and, you know, there was really tough times in my 19s and 20s where I was just wasn't sure how I was actually going to achieve this dream or get out of housing commission and all of those things. But I just chipped away at it and just every day was like, I can do this, I can do this. And then I guess without even realizing it became my mantra. Um, Mm. And then that's how I was able to, I guess, achieve everything I had sort of hoped that I would. So on that note then, like what's your opinion on the power of words, like the way that you speak to yourself? Oh, so incredibly powerful. And I am so aware of the way that people speak also and the way that they talk to themselves. And I often say to my friends, you know, would you talk to your friend like that? You know, oh, I'm stupid. I can't do it. I'm not enough. Or I wouldn't be able to do that. Or only someone else can do that. It's all of those things. If you repeat that every day, you know, even body image, oh, you look in the Mm -hmm. mirror and like, oh, my belly's not the way it used to be because I've had three kids. It all builds up. You would never treat your friend like that. And so I think it's just so powerful to really just treat yourself as you would your best friend. I mean, your best friend's down and you're doing everything you can to make them feel better and, you know, remind them of their self-worth. So if we can do that for ourselves, it's just transformate, like transforms your life. And it's not easy because, of course, the negative thoughts pop in and then you just have to replace them with a positive one. And it's similar to a toddler. You just have to tell them a million times. You tell yourself a million times and then eventually everyone gets it. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like how you mentioned like perspective before, right? You get to choose what perspective you want to take. Either you can 
sit there and criticize yourself, tell you that you can't do it and take that victim perspective, or you could take a more abundant, more positive and empowering perspective and tell yourself that you can. And as a result of doing that, you're going to get results that are also going to be more abundant and more empowering for you also. So it's really awesome. Yeah. And then you get into a beautiful cycle rather than a vicious cycle of, you know, Mm -hmm. negative self-talk. You get into this beautiful cycle like, oh, well, I achieved that. Maybe I could do the next best big thing or you know, big and great things don't just happen to other people. They can happen to you. You just have to believe that you really can do it and that you're worthy of receiving. Because so often people I think are just not ready to receive. And, you know, as you can tell, I love all the woo-woo, but I think sometimes the energy is all around you and it's not until you are ready to surrender and receive that gift that then the path is kind of unfolded. And when it comes to the hard times, sometimes we just have to walk the path. Someone once told me, you know, Our path is laid out and it's our job to walk through it. And so we get to choose how we walk through it. Either way, you're going to have to walk through. So why not try to make it positive and, you know, learn the lessons from it as much as you can? It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I mean, we'll have days where you just cry and you want to stay in bed and you're like, it's all too hard or why me? But then I've always taken the view to why not you? It's your lesson. If it wasn't you, then it would be happening to somebody else. So it's part of your journey. I think surrender is a huge thing to it as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now, while we're still on this topic of perspective as well, right? It can be very easy when we're sort of surrounded by negativity or surrounded by scarcity to struggle to like see past that and dream bigger. But obviously you've taken yourself from this place of scarcity and where you were lacking opportunities and now created this incredible life for yourself. So tell me a little bit about the process that you went through. Like, was there some sort of visualization you used to do when sort of like setting the attention about where you want to get yourself to? And how did you take your focus away from like your immediate surroundings and go, no, I can't have more than this? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, there was a point in my life where I was struggling to know what I was going to eat that day because we literally were so poor. So I've literally gone from, you know, that really big stresses about money, wondering where the next meal is coming from. I was supporting myself from when I was 16 years old. So I really know and remember what it's like to be in that, I guess, hole where you just think, oh, I can't claw myself out. Like, how am I going to turn it around? And you have one good day and then something bad happens and you're back down and you just kind of think, oh, how am I going to do it? But I learned or I read somewhere, I think my mum had some sort of astrology book. I think astrology is what first got me into the woo-woo side of things. And then I learn about, you know, the power of manifesting and and that's where it started. And I used to have little post-its up, which I guess would have my goals. So it would be like, I am worthy. I want to do this. And I would look at it every day. And so I guess without even realizing subconsciously, I was starting to shift my energy And then I started to find, okay, well, there's one opportunity and then that would build and then it gets a bit of momentum. So I definitely think that there's a lot to be said for um, positive affirmations because in the beginning, it's like anything, fake it until you make it. Sure, write your affirmation and you just think, oh, this is bullshit. This is not going to work. But it really does. The more you read it and the more you let it sit with you each day and but just that consistency of, you know, just believing that you've got this. Even if your surroundings look like you're crazy, lady, this this is not going well. Yeah, you can really change it. And I just want people to know that, especially people who struggle with their mental health and you are facing a lot of adversity, 
the sun will shine. I promise you, it will shine. You just have to hold on, you know, and ride and walk through this really tough time because on the other side will be something amazing. And you obviously have gifts to show this world. And so you've just got to keep holding on. I love that. Now, you mentioned earlier on something that I would love to bring some attention to. And it was when you mentioned that you went from a place of poverty to now like being where you are. So obviously, like there was an extreme struggle there when it did come to the money side of things. Yeah. And what I'm interested to know is because like I talk about money mindset a lot on this podcast and your money mindset is really like the blueprint of what your beliefs are around it is all based around like, you know, what you're brought up with in your childhood or from your parents. And obviously like being in a place of poverty, there would be so many beliefs that come from that. So how have you transformed your money mindset or did you find at all that coming from a place of poverty did have any impact on your money mindset coming into now being a lawyer? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think the most common saying around our house was money doesn't grow on trees. I mean, and that's such a scarcity mindset. It's like, well, really, there's so much money in the world. There's enough to go around. That's kind of what my mindset is now. Whereas, yeah, money doesn't grow on trees. Money was something that my mom and stepdad often fought about. So to me, it was a negative thing. Often my stepfather would have negative things to say about people with money. You know, people with money are this or that or, you know, that they're not good people. So to then move to somebody who is pursuing, I guess, and maybe that's why part of me did pursue a career that had, I guess, some sort of, you know, people, I guess, hold lawyers up to a certain esteem. Maybe that's why I pursued something like that. But yeah, I have then just slowly realized that, well, you know, there is enough money to go around. But at the end of the day, too, I used to think money would make you happy. I used to thought, well, if you don't have all the stresses of money, then you'll just be happy. And part of my money journey has been that, well, money doesn't make you happy because once you're able to meet your basic needs, it certainly makes a big difference if you're able to, you know, put food on your table and don't have to stress about rent. But when you get to a certain point, really, is more money actually going to make you happier? Probably not. That's when the inner work comes. And so, yeah, I think I still probably have money blocks that I'm working on and we're always a work in progress. I don't think we've ever, you know, reached the pinnacle of (laughs) insightfulness or where you don't have to do any more work. You just keep building on the work that you do. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that even like, you know, the more money you have, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be happier. And of course, meeting those basic needs is going to relieve a lot of stresses for you. But, you know, there are still billionaires in this world that are miserable. Absolutely. They think that they're going to get happy, happiness and more fulfillment from getting more money, but that's not really the root of where that comes from. It comes from within. And yeah, so it's really awesome that you were able to highlight that there. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially if you're starting your own business, it's really important to realize, well, why are you starting your own business? Is it just money? That's not going to keep you going. You know, once you're receiving some money into your bank account, you're still going to have to do the work. And so you've got to do things that you love, that you're passionate about. You need more than just the income to keep you going long-term. So, yeah. And despite, you know, all these ideas that lawyers are loaded, we're not. (laughs) So. I love that. There's plenty of other careers. Lawyers work really, really hard and long hours. So, Mm -hmm. And it's funny you mentioned that, actually, because originally before I was doing coaching and, like, the podcast and everything, I was in architecture. And coming out of high school, it was like, okay, Emily, you have to pick a high paying job, like architecture, lawyer, (laughs) something medical. I don't have the brains for medical. So I was like, um, architecture it is. And 
even if you are in an industry that is going to bring you, you know, a substantial amount of income, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're going to end up miserable and you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be fulfilled by what it is you're doing. So it should never be about really following a path just based off the price tag, you know, that comes on that paycheck each week. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you've read Eckhart Tolle, but he obviously talks about the ego and then sometimes our ego wants the car or wants the job or wants the house. But if you actually look within what you want, you know, a lot of the time you might find that you don't actually value those things. It's more that just the ego wants, you know, I guess other people to know, oh, I've made it. So that's something I've definitely had to really look into as well. Coming from that poverty aspect, there was a part of me you know, earlier on in my career where I thought, well, I want to have all the things to show people that I am worthy and am successful. But actually, none of that really matters to me at the core of who I am. And so, yeah, it's been quite a fascinating journey to reassess, well, you know, why do I want that thing? Is it actually Mm -hmm. me or is it my ego? I talk about this all the time as well, because I'm someone who's very much like an overachiever. So I'll push myself to like these absolute limits. And then I'll get to that point of like almost burnout. And I'm like, Emily, why are you pushing yourself this hard? Like, why? Ask yourself why, because do you really like need whatever it is that you're working towards? Or like, is that your ego driving you to get there? Or is that what you truly want? And so that's something I've really been reflecting on across my own business journey is like, okay, when is it my ego saying I want that first? When is it me at my core saying, actually, no, I truly want that? Absolutely. Yeah. And you've sometimes got to be careful what you create. Sometimes you create this huge beast and you think, oh God, I didn't even want this. I just wanted some, you know, flexible job, you know, that I could also go to the beach or go, you know, do yoga in the middle of the day. I didn't want this huge thing I've created. So yeah, that's definitely been part of my business journey too. But I mean, good on you. You're in your early twenties and you're assessing this. I feel like I didn't have half of this stuff together. <laughs> only come together you know as I've gotten older I'm very lucky because I started my podcast before I started my business so Ah, I get to speak to so many like I get to speak to so many incredible business people I mean like yourself and learn from you guys and then take what I learned and just apply it straight away to like my business or my mindset so I'm very lucky in that sense I've created this space to be able to um, gain these resources that maybe other people haven't had at this age. So yeah. that's why I like to have guests. We share knowledge and we, yeah, we give love these it. resources to others. Yeah. <laughs> and we're more powerful together. I mean, you don't have to learn the hard way. I mean, often we choose to, but you can really learn so much from other people and learn from what they have experienced as well so that you don't necessarily have to walk the hardest path. There might be a little shortcut by learning from others. Exactly that. Now, I want to come back to the topic of support networks as well, because I know earlier on you were talking about how you had to really look externally for role models and that there wasn't a lot of family support in your journey. So I speak to quite a few, I think like a mix of clients and just people I come across in general. And they say to me, you know, like I struggle because my family doesn't support what I'm doing and this is having a big toll on me. So how did you really work around this and really, you know, manage to find support elsewhere to, you know, get that advice or get those role models or get that guidance? Yeah. Well, I think it's a really complicated thing because when our family doesn't necessarily support us or embrace what we're doing, then that's when the self-doubt comes up because we think that they know better or they know more or that if they don't support us, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. So it really comes down to that self-belief. And then it revolves around I guess, raising your vibrations to people who are going to encourage you and support you. So especially in this online world we live in, there are so many amazing 
Facebook groups and, you know, Instagram, that you can really start that way. Surround yourself by people who are doing it so that you know that it's possible. The haters are going to hate, you know what I mean? They're going to have their views. Everybody seems to think these days that if you have a view, you should share it. I don't necessarily agree. You can have your view. You don't have to share it with everybody. Sometimes I think, why put that out into the universe? You know, that old saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, just keep it to yourself. So I just think by moving perhaps away from those people a little bit or just choosing who you share your business journey with, you know, if you've got this great idea and you believe it and you know that it's going to work, maybe don't share that aspect of your life if you know that negative people are going to bring you down. And similar to when I was going to have my first baby, I would only surround myself by positive birth stories. I knew I wanted to have a positive birth. So if somebody would say, oh, for my labor, this, and I'd say, oh, sorry, I just really don't want to chat about it. So you can just kind of put a stop to it. And it's just protecting yourself so that your energy is in the right state to receive all of those things that you want to create. I mean, only you know. You get that feeling when you know something's right, you're excited, you just know you're on the right path. Like it's yeah, you can't sort of describe it to anybody else. So mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. And I love that example of like positive birth stories as well, because I I mean, I don't have kids, but I've heard of these sorts of things myself where it's like people have focused so much on like the fears around giving birth. And then all of a sudden they've had like the worst birth story. Absolutely. Ever. Yeah. 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 Those people who are like fully visualizing it like a flower blooming. And yeah. then <laughs> it's like the most beautiful experience for them. Yeah, that's right. I think having a child too is so transformative um, in terms of then starting a business because having a business is similar to having a baby. Like you need to get a support network around you as well because some days business is great and other days it's really shit and you think, oh, why did I do this? Like, am I doing the right thing? So you need those people you can call or DM and just say, oh my God, really bad day in business. And then, you know, they'll uplift you and then you can do the same for them. So I guess when I first started my business, that's what I kind of missed initially is not having that team around me and not having that support to share because you want to share the good times and the bad times, but just choosing those people and those energies correctly. Because if you're an empath like myself, you might be prepared to give a lot and then other people might be prepared to take advantage of that as well. So I guess it's about still remaining true to yourself, but having really strong boundaries as well. So Mm. I found boundaries has been a huge thing for me to implement, being a people pleaser. (laughs) Boundaries are so important. Yeah. (laughs) And they're hard, they're tricky. (laughs) They're one of the hardest things ever. And the more that you grow in, like say, for example, your business grows, you need to also evolve your boundaries as well. And that's a mistake that I would make is my business would grow and then I wouldn't adjust my boundaries and be like, why am I so exhausted? Yeah, that's right. It's this constant like cycle of setting new boundaries. Okay. I've up leveled time to set new boundaries again. (laughs) Yeah. And then someone breaching your boundaries and then you realizing, oh, okay, I really didn't like that. So I need to now make sure that it's a firm boundary that I don't. And the same with like the self-care. To me, self-care is part of my business. I block out time in my calendar so that literally no one can book in an appointment and, you know, invade my personal time. What I want to do with that is my choice. I could do nothing. I could work on the business if I wanted to, but I just know each week I've got that space to, yeah, have that self-care and know no one wants anything from me because it can get exhausting. Obviously, if you're really passionate about your business or being an entrepreneur, it can be hard to switch off, but I have learned that switching off and creating space is often where the you know all the great ideas come that's exactly what I agree with and I always say to people 
go to the toilet and don't take your phone with you. Like even if that's the only bit of self-care yeah. time you have in the day, like to not have any distractions and do your thinking there, like you need to create that space for yourself to be quiet and be still because yeah, that is where your greatest ideas come from. And also if you're not like filling up your own cup, you're going to be pouring from an empty jug and can't fill up anyone else. So Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when you start to get resentful and you get run down. And I know personally for me, I get sick when I've not put my self-care, you know, I get a cold or I get a migraine or, Mm -hmm. and that's my body's cue. Like lady, you've been overdoing it. We're going to force you to stay in bed now. So yeah, I think the daily self-care helps with that. And then I'm a huge meditator. That's my like, my thing. It's not a lot of people's jam. They just think, oh my God, (laughs) the worst, my worst nightmare, but I just love it. Are you ready to shift your mindset, vision, habits, and actions into total alignment with where you want to be in 2022? If you are an entrepreneur or wanting to become an entrepreneur who is ready to break away from the hustle culture and start building your business from a place of spiritual and physical alignment and flow, then I want to connect with you. Okay, I am inviting you to come work with me in 2022 to expand your mindset and all your business to heights that you never imagined possible. If you feel drawn to exploring this next step in your journey with my guidance, then head to the link in this episode description to fill out my work with me form and see what possibilities for spiritual, physical and material expansion are awaiting for you. We are going to have a chat about meditation at the end of this episode before we wrap it all up because I've just gotten into it. I've been trying all year. All year (laughs) I had been trying, literally since January. And it was only this past month that I've actually committed to it because, again, my body was like, girl, you need this. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk more about that shortly. But I want to come back to the topic of self-belief because this is something you've been bringing up quite a bit, you know, throughout this conversation. And one thing that can really have an impact on our self-belief is when failure comes up. So I'm curious Mm. to know, like in your journey to get to where you are now, have there been any real standout experiences where maybe you failed at something and because of that, it really impacted your self-belief and you had to work through that? Yeah, absolutely. I failed uh, contracts, which was one of the third or fourth subjects that I did. And I was in Thailand at the time and then logged on to check my results and then it said fail. And I was just like, oh my God. And, you know, I just thought my life was over. I'm not going to be able to do it. Like, what am I going to do? But again, I was so lucky to have those friends around me who were just like, oh, don't worry, just sit the subject again. And I guess because they weren't invested as I was in the dream and the goal, they had that really objective perspective. So it was just so, I think it was the perfect time to receive that news because I was surrounded by people. And I guess it was the ego that was bruised too, because I guess society doesn't necessarily embrace failure as much as we should. And I just always call them learnings now. You're going to fail. It's just a part of it, but it's not a failure. It's a learning. You're going to learn something from it. You're going to either learn sugar. I won't do that again. That was a really big stuff up. Or you're going to learn to put processes in place to avoid that happening again. Or you're going to realize that, you know, sometimes it's not going to go smoothly and that's okay. Because if it was easy and if it was smooth, then everybody would be doing the thing that you want to do. It's not for everybody. And so, yeah, you just got to get back on the horse. And obviously you have, you cry and you eat all of the foods and you wallow in self-pity 
And then the next day you're like, okay, back on the horse. I've got to do it. Put your big girl pants on. And yeah, I think that's what I really admire about men, which perhaps they have more naturally, is that they just have that real self-belief and they just back themselves. Even if they're not necessarily the best in the room or the best at the job, they're the first to be like, yep, I can do that. I've got that. And so as women, I think we can learn so much from that and just be like, yep, that's fine. You know, that was a mistake, but we're moving forward. And there's no mistake that can't be fixed. So I think if you make a mistake, don't try to hide it. Don't cover it up. Even if it's with clients, people are so understanding if you're just honest with them. We're all human. We all have this human experience. So just be honest. Be like, oh my God, I've messed up. This is what I'm going to do to fix it. That authenticity is what people relate to the most. So yeah, failures are going to happen. Just It's part of the entrepreneurial and life journey. (laughs) They suck though, but you'll be right. (laughs) And that's the thing, right? Like I love how you said it's not a failure, it's a learning experience. And there was this quote I heard once, I don't know who said it, but I'm sure you know it anyway. But they said, it's only failure if you don't learn something from it. And I just thought, like, that's the greatest thing ever. We're taught, like, growing up, we're sort of, like, shamed for failing things. Like, you fail a subject in, you know, high school or primary school and the teacher calls your parents in to give you a school. Yeah, that's right. I think we need to change that mindset around it. Particularly, Mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial journey is failure because then you try again and you try again. Like, the world's best entrepreneurs have had the huge failures. We wouldn't have Apple without the failures. Do you know what I mean? So, it's Mm -hmm. just... Yeah, I think we need to change that. And that's a lot about the modern school structure. A lot of it is very old school. And perhaps, you know, the entrepreneurs, as we know them, is a relatively new concept. So I think we need to really embrace that. And I'm, that's the approach I take with my children. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, you're going to fail. They know mm. that. It's okay. Yeah, because it, it does. It comes back to like, you know, we're in school and this is one of the phases of our lives where we're like so easily molded. Yeah. And they're judging you off one set of framework, like one criteria. And when you fail at something based off that one criteria and you're not given an opportunity to work within your own like criteria, your own space, I think like, you know, to expand into all of that, but that then carries with you. And through everything else you do, you're like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. That was a big thing for me. Like I'm not smart enough, but no, I'm actually smarter in different ways. That's right. We are all great at um, different things. I thought the same. I'm not smart enough to be a lawyer. None of my family have finished high school or even like gone to uni. So how could I be a lawyer? You know, I had that self-doubt. Or you hold uh, certain professions on a pedestal. Or I couldn't be an entrepreneur because I don't have, you know, all of this crowdfunding behind me. Yeah, you can. It's only your mindset that says that you can't. And like I said before, thoughts aren't facts. You've got to really question your thoughts. It's okay to have the thoughts, but then you have to think, was this actually true? I guess it's linked closely with anxiety as well. You know, anxiety is obviously worrying about the future and thinking things might happen, but you don't know that that's going to happen. So I think sometimes if you break it down, okay, what if that did happen? Well, what's the next step? And really getting it down to what's the worst that can happen. And that's why I started my business at the end of the day. I left a really comfortable government job. I'd been there for 13 years. But I just thought, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst that can happen is I get another job. I have a career change and I do something else. The worst doesn't seem that bad. So I think that that can be so powerful as well. 
And I love that. Like when you say, what's the worst that could happen? Because that's exactly what I said to myself, because I dropped out of my master's when I had six months to go before I got my master's degree. And everyone was saying, just finish it. It's only six months. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, you know what? If I stay in this degree, if I stay in this job, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to be in the same position six months from now. (laughs) Yeah, that's different. And I don't like this position that I'm in, right? <laughs> yeah. So anything's going to be better than this. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah exactly. So and that's still six it. months worth of living. Like, Literally. you know, life is so precious. It's all the cliches. We just don't know what is around the corner. So if six months of being unhappy, it's not worth it, even though on paper someone might say, oh, but you're so close to getting this master's degree. They might value that. But if you don't value it and you're the one who has, you know, put the hard work in to get it done then it's obviously you know not in alignment for you at this point in time so I think that yeah yeah yeah, people have their views and you don't necessarily have to take them on as your own Mm -hmm. I love that so much so there's one final area I really want to talk about with you and it's the area of like the moon manifestation daily meditations all of this because I love these topics like they get me (laughs) so excited The thing I love about like this podcast is it's business focused, but it's also like spirituality meets business. So it's good fun. fun. So tell me, like, what sort of roles do these play in your life now? Well, I mean, to me, business and spirituality is so interconnected. I am guided so much by my intuition. You know, even in terms of business decisions, sometimes I think to myself, this just doesn't feel right. And I just trust my instincts because they have never set me on the wrong path. The only time I've been disappointed is when I haven't trusted my intuition and then something bad happens or, you know, so I always trust my intuition, even if I don't necessarily understand what it means. I also have done, you know, moon meditations, full moon meditations with my girlfriend, anything that's kind of woo-woo and spiritual. And I love the opportunity to show other people who are maybe on the start of their spiritual journey about the different things that are out there. And I think the older I've gotten, the more comfortable I've become with this side of myself. I used to hide it perhaps a little bit, thinking that, well, no, as a lawyer, you need to be very sensible and, you know, black and white and all of that. But I'm just a human like anybody else and I'm all of the colours. And so I now show those colours because now I'm attracting those clients who hold similar values. And, you know, right now, a lot of my clients are very much in alignment with that same thought process. So I think it's really powerful to show all parts of yourself because, yeah, then you will naturally be guided even more. So, yeah, and then I love crystals. In our office, we've got crystals and essential oils and, yeah, all of the things that make us feel happy because you spend so much time at work. Our offices are like a second home when it's not lockdown. And so I want to be surrounded by all of the things that make me feel good. I love that. So intuition is a big topic that I love speaking about. And something that I find that so many people struggle with is learning to trust their intuition and let go of control because letting go of control is such a big aspect of that, right? So Mm -hmm. how did you really go about like learning to trust more and release control so then you could fully lean into your intuition? I think the upbringing that I had, I was able to develop intuition very young. I guess I was very aware of perhaps situations that were not safe or which, you know, so I think my upbringing as much as it was difficult actually set me in good stead to trust my intuition. I have this one example where I was walking home from school and I saw a man down the end of the street and I just had this feeling come over me where you need to cross the road because it's not safe right now. 
I had no idea why and I felt a little bit silly because I was like, oh, that seems a bit silly. But luckily I did because as I went past him, he was calling out and started to try to chase after me. Anyway, it turns out he was not supposed to be there and he was some sort of, you know, predator. And so from that moment, and I was maybe about, you know, 12 or 13, I was just like, yep, I don't know what that was, but that feeling was so strong that you're not safe, get over to that side of the road. I've always just trusted it. So even if I would prefer to look silly, do something silly and trust that intuition now, because I just always believe that you it's for your right, it's for your benefit, you know, your angels or whatever you believe are always looking out for you. And you've just got to, um, you might not know why at the time, but you just got to trust it. Mm, and so insane. I think meditation helps to, you know, really harness in on your intuition because the more that you're in your body, the more that you then get in touch with how you're feeling. A lot of the time we're on the hamster wheel of thought. So you can't really possibly know how you're feeling when you're in thought land. You've got to take the time to calm and really mm. think about how you're feeling. Yes, I love that. And so when you use meditation, then one aspect of it is to help you connect more with your intuition. But you said it's like a daily practice for you that you can't go without. So what is the reason why you're so obsessed with meditating? It's just life changing to me. And I used to hear people say that and be like, oh my God, like stop banging on about the meditation. I've tried it and it's boring. But the more that I just stuck with it and I made a point of doing 30 days. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use, I don't even know what, I think we had to download like something on YouTube or whatever then. The insight time is amazing. I always tell friends now like use insight timer if you want to get started and meditated for 10 minutes a day for 30 days. And I just felt so much calmer. I felt like I had a space for myself each day. I just felt more confident in what I was doing. I was looking less outside for approval and, you know, somebody to tell me I'm on the right path or I'm doing the right thing. I just knew. I just had this inner knowing of, no, that's fine. And what people were telling me, I guess I didn't care as much. I valued their input, sure, but I was also able to differentiate between, you know, what was relevant to me in my situation, which was what was just their thoughts. So. Yeah. And now it's just a space every day. I usually wake up at about 4.30, although because of lockdown, I've been sleeping in a little till five. And yeah, I either do it after I exercise or before I exercise. And it's just, I just love it. It's just my little space where I'm, I'm just crystal. I'm not the lawyer. I'm not the mum. I'm not the friend or the wife. I'm just me. And it's just beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I've been meditating this past month. And like I was saying earlier on, like at the start of the year, I tried to get into it because I was just feeling so exhausted and I wasn't taking enough time for myself. So I was like, okay, need to create time for it. Would not commit to it. Finally (laughs) got into this point where I'm like, okay, my body needs this and I'm obsessed with it now. So I I so feel you with that. And yeah, I'm an early riser as well. I'm either up at 4.30 or 5 a.m. depending on what my boyfriend's like (laughs) starting time for work is as a tradie. Oh, I love um, it. What does your morning routine look like? I'm curious to know. So wake up 4.30. I'm doing a bit of a fitness challenge at the moment. So I've been exercising. We've got a treadmill and then I've been doing the sweat up by, I think, Kyle, one of those, you know, Instagram people. It's really good. Then I meditate. Then I do a little bit of work, spend time with my babies before they go to school or daycare. Yeah. And then off to work. But it's awesome because I feel like I've had that time for me before, you know, the obligations and stresses of work come. And I have to wake up that early because I do just have such a busy life and I'm juggling a lot and I'm just better in the morning. Some people are better at night and would love to do it at night. For me, it just sets my intentions good for the day ahead. And I always like to think, hey, today's going to be a great day. 
and think of how everything's going to go well. Particularly if I've got a court case or, you know, a a big matter on, I always think today's going to go really well. We're going to get a great outcome. So I try to put that intention out into the universe as well. Because, you know, I guess an anxious thing that you do is think, today's going to go so bad. What if I forget something? What if I don't remember this? I don't remember that case. But it's like, no, everything's going to be great today. I'm going to be doing, you know, all of the things I need to do. So I think that's powerful too. Amazing. I love that you're this like perfect balance, right? Because you picture a lawyer and you're like, you know, they're going to be so like (laughs) straightforward, so corporate, but then you've got like this massive spiritual side to you, which I think is so awesome. And, you know, it's a very... uh, like emotionally and physically strenuous job that you're in. And I think it's so important that you are giving yourself that time and that level of self-care because I think exploring your spirituality is the deepest level of self-care you can give yourself. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And most lawyers become lawyers, regardless of all the stereotypes, is to help people. And I think criminal law and family law, they're the two most emotive areas of law. I can empathize really well because of my, I guess, story. And because I was a prosecutor for, you know, so long, so I can really empathize. But yeah, I just have to have those boundaries and self-care in place so that I can keep helping people. Because the risk is vicarious trauma is a very real thing, um, particularly in this industry. And I've seen a lot of colleagues really suffer from that. The suicide rate in the legal profession is really high as well. And so, yeah, if more people can embrace this side, it doesn't have to be meditation and woo-woo things. Some people might like hiking and walking or swimming or but it's finding the thing that's good for your soul and making it a priority and not, you know, that's a boundary. You do mm-hmm. your self-care every day. You don't budge on that. Mm-hmm. Exactly um, that. And often the thing we don't want to do is what we need to do most. I always say if you don't want to meditate, you probably need to meditate the most. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like me. so resistant to it. <laughs> and because I have multiple coaches, but I work with a spiritual coach. And she was literally telling me month after month, Emily, you need to meditate. She's pulling cards every single month. (laughs) I'd get the same self-care card, meditation. And I'm like, okay, this is the thing I don't want to do, but I clearly need to do it. (laughs) I love that you have a spiritual coach. I want her name. I feel like I want a spiritual coach. I will definitely send you her account after this episode. She comes onto the podcast all the time. I love her. Her name's Maggie. She is her brand is Spring Loon Oracle. Shameless Amazing. plug there. But yeah, she is so awesome. So I will send her your way because I literally promoted it to everyone because she's just so great. Yeah. Oh, and <laughs> as soon as you said pulls the cards, because I love my goddess cards and I'm looking for like a little bit of, you know, what should mm-hmm. I do? I get out my cards. <laughs> yeah. And like, I love promoting other coaches as well, because I think it's so important. Like, I invest all my money back into coaches. Like I don't know what the last material thing was that I bought myself (laughs) because I'm constantly spending my money on non-material things like coaching. But I think like having business coaches, like mindset coaches, spiritual coaches, or even just going and getting like a simple card reading done, like these things can help you so much in your own journey and just make things feel so much lighter and easier. Yeah, so powerful. And that's part of building your team around you. That's part of having that support. So, you know, then you do have that person you can say, hey, this person was being a hater and said that I can't do it or that I should just go get a normal job or I shouldn't, you know, take this risk. Perhaps older people too, they come from that generation where you get a job and you keep it. Like if you have a government job, you don't leave that. Are you crazy? Like that's secure. Mm -hmm. Whereas I guess our generation is, you know, and especially yours, even younger, are really excited and have that almost inner self-belief that, yeah, well, I can just get another job or I can just try this. And if it doesn't work, then Mm -hmm. I really admire that about your generation as well. I think it's amazing. Which is reckless. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, it's risk takers and life's short. 
Like mm-hmm. as if you want to be, you know, 70 or 80 if you're lucky enough to get to that age and think, oh, I really wish I had have tried that mm-hmm. when I was 20. Yeah. I think that my generation is very lucky because like our parents' generations are the ones that were first going into university and then seeing sort of like the career paths that they can follow. You can really say, okay, well, do I want this nine to five life or do I want something else? And so we've been given this like perfect timing to be like, cool, we can be the ones. Yeah. That create a new path and like experiment in this new sort of direction. So absolutely. Now, there's one thing that I do want to ask you because this is the Empower Them podcast and I get all of my guests to answer this question. What is one final piece of empowering advice that you just have to tell everyone today? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that my piece of advice would be just take it one day at a time and enjoy the journey. You don't always have to be doing, like you've got to enjoy the being as well. So I think it's really important to have big grand goals But then also just enjoy your life as well. You don't want to look back and think, oh, I spent, you know, 12 or 18 hours a day just working. Find those moments in each day that bring you joy and, yeah, really embrace those as well because I guess a lot of entrepreneurial people might have the A-type personality as well where you're always going to be doing and achieving and what's the next goal and where am I going and hustle. But you don't want life to pass you by. So you've got to be as much as you're doing, I think. What I love when I ask that question is every single time that I get a response to that, it's always exactly what I need to hear. (laughs) (laughs) There are no coincidences in life. I always say that. Uh Exactly. (laughs) Well, we're going to have to start wrapping up this episode, but I could talk to you all day. But Crystal, before you jump off, do you want to just let our listeners know where they can find you after this episode? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, not where you find most lawyers, but we love it, at Crystal Lawyers. Otherwise, you can jump on our website if you need legal advice and it's coastallawyers.com.au. Amazing. I'll put those links into the show notes as well. So it's super easy for everyone to access. But thank you so much for your time today. I've loved this conversation. And honestly, like I said, I could keep talking to you all day, but we're going to have to cut this off at some point. (laughs) So thank you so much, Crystal, for your time. Thank you so much. It was awesome. So that's a wrap on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast or know somebody who needs to hear this, then send this to them and share it to your stories tagging me at empower.with.m.podcast. If you want more from the podcast, make sure you jump on over to the Empower community on Facebook. I have popped the link in the show notes of this episode, so I can't wait for you to join me there. But that's all for me for now, fam. It's time I love you and leave you. So until we hang again, remember you can break through any limiting mindset, any limiting belief, and you can rise above any challenge and step up and truly be empowered.